And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when there is a great debate going on between two of America's leading thinkers, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the left and Marjorie Taylor Greene on the right. Catfight? Uh, is that what you're allowed to call it? No, that's not the right thing to say. What you want to talk about is uh, two people with very, very deep convictions uh, going at it. Over what? Over aspects of the uh, Super Bowl and that have nothing to do with that holding penalty that changed the course of history. Uh, we will get to that. Meanwhile, there's also a new Disney show. Uh, and I've already been asked about this a number of times. I haven't seen the whole show. And it's a streaming show called uh, The Proud Family. It's based on a uh, a show back from the 80s and 90s called The Proud Family. But this is on Disney+. Plus. And uh, it's a, um, a, a show in, in at least one of its episodes that is concentrated on critical race theory. I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but uh, even though I have not seen all of the episodes and who knows which direction it's going to go, I don't think that direction is going to be good. Here is the uh, song, the uh, catchy, wonderful, uplifting song in a show intended, by the way, for children. Uh, This is a song covering the history of the United States and, of course, the need for reparations. Uh, This is clip 10. This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First there was rice, to first there was tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers. Four Four million million strong. Fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. slaves. Built this country. The descendants of slaves continue to build this. Slaves built this country. And we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering. And continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the systemic prejudice racism and white supremacy that america was founded with and still has not atoned for slaves built this country not only field hands but carpenters mazes blacksmiths musicians inventors built cities from jamestown to new orleans to Bannockhurst, washington 40 acres and a mule we'll take the 40 acres keep the mule we, we made your families rich from the southern plantation heirs to the northern bankers to the new england ship owners the founding fathers the Illuminati, the New World Order. Slaves built this country. Okay, uh, the Illuminati and the New World Order. Uh, and the slaves built this country. When they talk about we are their soldiers, four million strong, if they're talking about the Civil War, there were close to four million slaves at the time of the Civil War. And uh, there were 183,000. They They have pretty good numbers of uh, black people, some of whom, many of whom actually, were freed Negroes who had been, as it it was called at the time, Uh, and and others were people who, because the Emancipation Proclamation had been able to to leave and be liberated from the uh, southern states in which most of them lived. And yes, they fought heroically, but then uh, they conclude the song 
with uh, a demand, of course, for reparations. Listen. We had Tubman, Turner, Frederick D. Then they say Lincoln freed the slaves. But slaves were men. And women. And only we can free ourselves. Emancipation is not freedom. Jim Crow, segregation, redlining, public schools, feeding private prisons, where we become slaves again. As we celebrate Juneteenth for the umpteenth time, our account is still outstanding. Because this country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. And we demand our 40 acres and a mule. that. You can keep the mule. Keep the That's supposed to be a school performance where people are applauding, and this is in a a little town called uh, Smithville, and it's about to put up a statue to a founder who's identified as Christian A. Smith. But one of the main characters, Maya, discovers Smith was a slaveholder. And uh, um, Maya is, uh, is raised, and this is a summary from Fox of the, uh, of the plot that is going on here in this, uh, <laughs> this cartoon series. Uh, Maya is raised by an interracial gay couple. Randall, who is black, angrily denounces his husband, Barry, who was white for defending the town founder, that was the Christian A. Smith, as proof of white fragility, he says. I don't understand anything about your white fragility. It sounds like this on screen. Clip 11. I just know that my people wouldn't have done anything like this. Your people? Oh, my, my. Well, you understand, love, don't you? No. No, I do not understand anything about white fragility. White fragility? What's that supposed to mean? You know what it means. You're doing it right now. Doing what? Being defensive about race. Robin D'Angelo wrote a whole book about it. Read it. You're on page 39. I am not on page 39. And uh, then... Uh, there is more about white fragility. Uh, Zoe, a white character in the show, gets berated by her friends because she's dating a black guy. Uh, Clip four. Miss Proud, the only reason he asked her out is because she's white. That's not true! It is true. Right, Maya? Yup. My cousin said Noah's favorite chocolate is white. No swirls. You're all just jealous that Noah asked me out and not you. It has nothing to do with me being white chocolate. Not that a person can be white chocolate. It has everything to do with you. Oh. I do with you. I don't know why you can't see Okay, and then uh, there's the season finale where the children, who are the featured characters in the show, and the Proud family, uh, the children get arrested after a conflict with police in riot gear. Uh, this is has to do with taking down the statue of the town's founder, Christian A. Smith, because they discover he's a slave owner. One student suggests we could pull down that statue. Isn't that what everyone is doing nowadays? Listen. Please put these little kids in cuffs, y'all. Audience, 
No photos, please. Okay, do something with your white privilege. It goes on. Uh, can you imagine they're going to have a ride at uh, Disney World <laughs> based on this show? You think that would be uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun for folks? I do think that they keep uh, some of the Disney Plus projects like this one, uh, keep that separate from the uh, the what they do in the theme parks. Uh, and by the way, the thing about Lincoln wanting to deport black people that they also have in the show, I mean, on Lincoln's birthday, Lincoln, like many, many other prominent people, didn't want to deport anyone. He wanted to give blacks liberty, and this is long before the Civil War, and supported the colonization society that would have given them a choice funded by the federal government, if they wanted to, to return to Africa. Some did. They created the nation of Liberia. But the idea that he wanted to deport freed slaves, completely a lie. We will be right back on uh, the Medved Show with more on media and its impact coming up. Look, he's a sick puppy. Michael Medved. what he believes. Michael Medved. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, when it comes to the impact of uh, media, uh, one of the reasons that uh, the National Institutes of Health Centers for Disease Control, they've just come out with a report that we're going to be talking about uh, just a little bit later. A report that shows that the depression and suicidal ideation and uh, general dysfunction of American teenage girls has just soared and they're suffering from different kinds of disturbances and self-hating disturbances than uh, teenage boys. And why is that? Well, impossible, it, it would seem, to uh, to actually look at uh, something like that without looking at the impact of social media and entertainment media as well. We'll be talking to Gene Twenge about that. The, um, uh, the, the questions about debates about the Super Bowl, and I mentioned this great debate between Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, AOC, of course... Part of it has to do with the Jesus ads that appeared on the show under the uh, theme of He Gets Us. And we had talked about the ads before, uh, which I, I think were actually tasteful and effective and thoughtful and uh, hard to believe that they uh, provoked such a negative reaction from AOC, but they did. She... Uh, a headline, AOC tears into Christian Super Bowl commercials for making 
fascism looked benign. Now, I I have seen almost all of these commercials, including ones they didn't show at the Super Bowl, and uh, the idea that they promote fascism in some way is ridiculous. She tweeted um, on on Sunday night after the uh, the game. Something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. It says, so says Ocasio-Cortez, who is Catholic, writing on Twitter on Sunday night. And um, progressive firebrand representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this is from the Daily Mail, criticized a Christian organization behind two ads made for Sunday night's football game claiming they promote fascism. He Gets Us, a nonprofit aimed at modernizing Americans' perceptions of Jesus and Christianity, paid a hefty $20 million to run its messages during the big game. So I don't understand what the objection to the messages could be. The first black-and-white clip shows migrants fleeing their homes under life-threatening circumstances, implicitly heading for the U.S., At the end, it's revealed to be a comparison of today's asylum seekers with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, But uh, 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 she believed that somehow that was supporting fascism. Uh, This is bizarre. The uh, other ad that uh, ran... uh, during the Super Bowl featured colorless photos. The second clip shows people in scenes of heated confrontation set against Rag and Bone Man's 2017 hit, Human. It ends with the phrase, Jesus loved the people we hate. Uh, And uh, meanwhile, (laughs) and you know this had to happen, is uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene responded to Ocasio-Cortez this morning. She wrote, Jesus died a horrific death on a Roman cross so that our sins can be forgiven and whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's proof there's nothing Jesus wouldn't do to show his love. AOC needs to know Jesus, Green wrote. Okay, good, fine. Uh, but then um, the the idea that... Uh, that um, Marjorie Taylor Greene had an objection to the Super Bowl. She also objected to one of the controversial aspects of the pre-game program. The uh, uh, the ads that were put up, by the way, were partially funded by the Hobby Lobby people, the Greene family, which is no relation. They they spell their name differently from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marshall Taylor Green has an E at the end. But they um, have already uh, donated more than $50 million to the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is an organization which uh, we strongly support. I'm proud to have spoken for them in a number of places and occasions. The uh, It says in the Daily Mail, Ocasio-Cortez's criticism of He Gets Us was not the only shot she fired off as the... Uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles went head-to-head. The New York lawmaker posted an image 
of the platform's billionaire owner, Elon Musk, sitting next to fellow billionaire and owner of Fox Corp, Rupert Murdoch. They were spotted together at the Super Bowl, each with a female companion sitting next to them. Ocasio-Cortez quipped, birds of a feather flock together. But as usual, the high-profile TV event caught heat from lawmakers on both sides of the political spectrum. Marjorie Taylor Greene accused the NFL of peddling liberal wokeness after both the national anthem and the black national anthem were performed ahead of the game. Black national anthem, and we've spoken about it before, is uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing. And it was written by James Weldon Johnson, who was a very great and distinguished black poet and head, or at one point, of the NAACP. And there is nothing in Lift Every Voice and Sing that is other than religiously minded and and very pro-American. And the idea that uh, they would take this song, which has been traditionally involved with uh, movements for justice and and play it at a the most famous football game in the world when the majority of people playing on that field happen to be black the idea that that is offensive she uh, green accused the nfl of peddling liberal wokeness after both the national anthem and black national anthem were performed ahead of the game um chris stapleton just sang the most beautiful national anthem at the super bowl she said but we could have gone without the rest of the wokeness, uh, Green wrote on Twitter. Um, now, this came at the same time that Catherine Lopez in uh, uh, the uh, National Review talked about the 2023 pro-life Super Bowl. She said that was uh, the pro-life Super Bowl because there was the Rihanna baby bump. Yes, I know parts of the performance were raunchy. Yes, I know you probably don't want your children watching it. I even frequently use her song Rude Boy as an example of the poison young people drink in our culture. But here she is, pregnant, openly, proudly, with a nine-month-old at home, and still doing the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, what does all this impact on young teenage girls? We'll get to it. What if... Michael Medved show, there is a truly alarming report uh, released today uh, by the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, and it's not about a, a virus disease. It's about an emotional disease and the idea that teenage girls in America are increasingly engulfed in violence and trauma. Uh, teen girls across the United States, they write, are engulfed in a growing wave of violence and trauma according to federal researchers who released data Monday showing increases in rape and sexual violence as well as record levels of feeling sad or hopeless. Nearly one in three high school girls reported in 2021 that they had seriously considered suicide. What is going on? Uh, somebody who has written about this movingly and insightfully has joined us on the guest before 
is Professor Jean Twenge, who is the author of iGen, Why Today's Superconnected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. Uh, Jean, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, does Were you surprised at all to see some of the findings in this uh, CDC report? I'm sorry to say I wasn't that surprised because these are the increases we've been seeing for quite a while in um, suicidal thoughts, in depression, in anxiety, in self-harm, particularly um, among teen girls. Um, Clinical-level depression in, in another data set doubled um, in just a nine-year period. And that was even before the pandemic, which gets us to what might be causing this. I think it's tempting to see these concerning statistics and assume it's all due to the pandemic. But these are trends that started about 10 years ago. Wow. And one of the things that I I have been greatly influenced by the book by Christina Hoff Summers about the war on boys, you keep reading about uh, girls are more likely to graduate from high school, more likely to attend college, that they're doing better. What this indicates that they may not have the same problems as boys, but have other problems of depression and uh, uh, emotional concern and suicidal ideation, as we were talking about, and self-harm, which you just mentioned, that girls have their own problems that are distinct and in some ways even more serious than the problems for boys? Well, it's interesting because there's always been a pretty big gender difference in uh, anxiety and depression. Um, Girls and women have always suffered from um, those types of mood disorders at a much higher rate than boys and men. Um, So it's true, yeah, you know, different genders, different problems. But you know, I think what is the most concerning here is just how big these increases are in such a short period of time. You know, it really means we really got to try to figure out what is going on here. You know, what is going wrong in the lives um, of teens and particularly teen girls. So maybe we can try to figure out how to stop it. And you've written in the past about the impact of social media and which apparently is particularly strong on uh, teen girls. Is there a reason to believe that uh, teen girls use social media even more uh, in a more profligate manner than boys do? They do. So teen girls spend more time on social media. Um, They also seem to be more impacted by it. So the link between the amount of time a teen spends on social media and depression is larger among girls than it is among boys. And it makes sense when you think about it. You think about all of the body image issues, all of the social pressures, um, the way that girls bully versus the way boys do. All of those things really, really come out on social media in a way that, that can have a very negative impact on teen girls. So what... What kinds of actions now uh, can can we undertake to uh, in, in schools uh, now that kids are back to school and they were away for in many many cases because of the pandemic? 
But uh, that's another question which has been raised, which is not we're, – we're still not back to the level of student bodies that we had before the pandemic. What's happened to all those missing children who haven't returned? Where are they? Yeah, and that's that's a, a big mystery that I'm not sure I, I have an answer to. I mean, I can answer your first question about what what can we do in schools is try for one thing, no phones during the school day. So then we're concept. having a school day. Yeah, I know. Having a school day focus on face-to-face social interaction. So that would be great for the classroom, less distraction. It would also mean students were talking to each other face-to-face at lunch. Because you go to a high school or middle school that allows students to have access to their phones over the lunch period, those lunchrooms are eerily silent because they're on their phones. They're not talking to each other. Uh, do you have – you're, you're still teaching in San Diego State, right? I am. Yeah. And uh, do – Students, I would assume that the students take their phones and their social media with them everywhere at college, right? They do. I mean, so college students are adults. So, you know, we don't have that opportunity to say, you know, okay, everybody has to put their phone in the bin in the way that you can do in in a high school. Um, But you can do um, what some faculty say, no technology in the classroom at all, even no laptops, put them away, or just emphasize, as I try to do, this is our time to learn from each other, let's put the devices away. Well, good for you. Uh, they say in the CDC report, it says that activities can make a profound difference in the lives of teens. It recommended improved access to mental health services, more classroom management training for teachers, school clubs that uh, foster gay-straight alliances, and high-quality health education and enforcement of anti-harassment policies. Do you think uh, uh, there's something missing there? <laughs> I do. Um, you know, these are, these are good common-sense solutions, and, of course, we need more um, school counselors and more uh, help for mental health. I agree with that. But what's interesting to me is that a lot of the things on that list are things we're, for the most part anyway, doing a better job on now than we did 10 or especially 20 or 30 years ago. We're doing a much better job of being inclusive around sexual orientation, for example. I mean, it's certainly, there's certainly lots of bullying that still goes on. It's better, at least it's in theory better than, than it used to be, yet mental health is worse. So clearly something else is going on. And I think there has been a lot of denial and putting your head in the sand that technology has anything to do with this. And I think it's abundantly clear that that's really what's different. That is what is different in the lives of teens now is social media. Do you think it's fair to classify social media as addictive? Well, there's a lot of debate about that. I know. Um, in the academic world, it is really remarkable how many people talk about social media using the language of addiction. So whether it fits the technical definition or not, it certainly seems that um, that's people's experience. And there is, you know, every month there are more and more studies showing how the use of social media and other technologies affect the brain. So there may be you know, much more um, definitive ruling on that soon can can you hang on for a few minutes more gene sure 
terrific. Uh, Gene Twenge, professor at San Diego State University, uh, the author of iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. So what do you do to prepare your children, our children, for adulthood? We'll be right back with Gene Twenge. The Michael Medved Show. challenges in American education. Uh, we had just mentioned last week this uh, study in Baltimore that found 23 public schools in Baltimore, 23, where no students in the entire school were performing up to grade level in mathematics. No one. Uh, but then there are emotional problems. And uh, speaking with uh, Professor Jean Twenge of San Diego State University, uh, she has a new book coming out in April. It is called Generations. And uh, Jean, the, just some of this stuff is just so grim and it's so heartbreaking. It, uh, it says that almost – this is the new CDC report on uh, – teenage girls in America being engulfed in violence and trauma. It uh, suggests that almost three in five teenage girls reported feeling so persistently sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row during the previous year that they stopped regular activities. Uh, girls fared worse on other measures, too, compared to boys, with higher rates of alcohol and drug use than boys higher levels of being electronically bullied. According to the 89-page report, 13% of the teenage girls had attempted suicide during the past year compared to 7% of the boys. Uh, basic reason that things would be so much worse than these emotional problems for girls? Well, there's you know, a lot of speculation about that. It's always been true that you know, girls have, have suffered from these types of issues more than boys. But there's new pressures now with, you know, sexualization on social media and the emphasis on, you know, a perfect appearance and a perfect life on Instagram and some of these other platforms. And there's just a lot of pressure on girls. They, they, they feel like they need to be perfect in every way. And social media really takes that to the next level. Uh, if, if you were, and, and you, you've done this before, and that's part of what your books and your work is about, uh, what kind of advice would you give to parents uh, about uh, some of these dilemmas facing teenage girls in particular? Keep your kids off social media as long as humanly possible. It's actually the law that kids can't have a social media account in their own name if they are 12 or under. Uh, but 13 is not really the best time to introduce social media during middle school. It's when a lot of these pressures are at their height. So I think we need to really seriously consider as parents and as a culture as a whole, no social media until you're 16. You know, maybe even 18 under some circumstances if you have a teen who's vulnerable to anxiety and depression, that just get it out of the picture. 
Um, and then my number one piece of advice for everybody, but especially for teens, is no phones in the bedroom overnight. That's interesting. And uh, and no phones in the bedroom overnight to, as to interfere, not to interfere with your sleep? Or is there another reason? Yeah, interfering with sleep. So a lot of people have their phone right next to them, even if it's off, even if it's on vibrate. Lots of studies in sleep labs have shown that that still disrupts sleep. So get it out of the bedroom, out of sight, out of mind, and get a better night's sleep. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. We did a book uh, years ago called Saving Childhood that uh, argued for keeping TVs out of children's bedrooms <laughs> because uh, otherwise you're basically dissolving family bonds if everybody's watching TV in a different room and a different programming. Uh, the, does Has social media replacing some of the hours that people spend with television had a dramatic impact on what media messages are? Well, you know, it is is an interesting example of thinking that, you know, it used to be that was the worry of having the TV in your bedroom. And that's still, still not a good idea for kids to have their own TV in the bedroom. But now it's portable. It's the tablet. And that can go everywhere and the phone and that can go everywhere and it can go into social situations and it can come to school and not just into the bedroom. So it is, it's everywhere. And that means you can't get away from it. And that's why a lot of teens talk about social media in terms of so much pressure. Um, and just it being, it always being there and always being on. And that's not a great formula for mental health. And, uh, uh, this brings us to one other issue that people are very painfully aware of because it kills so many people, which is uh, drug use. And uh, the the idea that people who are very dependent on social media, there is an impact on the vulnerability to uh, various uh, actually physically addictive uh, recreational drugs, No. I don't think I'm familiar with that research much. Okay. But uh, um, in other words, right now, the the fact that we have generally a move to spread more broadly the use of uh, legal recreational drugs, have you uh, thought or written about that at all? Because I don't know. Yeah, what's, well, what's, what's interesting about so all, for for teens, almost all recreational drug use is marijuana. And the CDC report that was one of the good news pieces in it is that for high school students, marijuana use has actually gone down um, in the last couple of years. And it had it had been fairly stable for a while. It wasn't you know, going up 21 and over where it's legal in many states. That's where it is going up a lot more. But it's it's not increasing among teens, so that's one piece of good news. Okay, and finally, there's no way that this is good news. Uh, I know this is not your area of expertise, and you haven't specifically written or researched it, but one of the most shocking numbers in this CDC report is that of the teenage girls they looked at, some 15% said they had been raped that they had been forced to have sex. Uh, and does that, 
do you have any sense that that is an exaggeration or is it credible? And if so, why would that be so greatly increased? Yeah, well, you know, there had, there's been speculation for a while that that number is fairly high. So similar surveys, of, say, among female college students have found those numbers, you know, often 25% is common. Um, so it has been widespread for quite a while. Um, it certainly is, is something I think we need to take seriously. Uh, well, obviously, this entire report needs to be taken seriously. Uh, Jean Twenge, very much uh, uh, appreciate your joining the conversation. And uh, uh, Jean Twenge is the author of iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. A last question What's the most important thing in preparing them for adulthood? Giving them some measure of independence. You know, kids now are less likely to get their driver's license or go out of the house. Have them do those things instead of spending all their time on social media. And, uh, in independence for kids as a counteraction and as a preparation for adulthood. Uh, Jean Twenge at San Diego State University, her new book, which is coming out in April, is called Generations. Um, very pleased that you could speak with us. Uh, coming up, uh, there is um, uh, big news that uh, needs to be covered about more and more and more unidentified uh, objects. What could the real story be? And uh, a new report about Ron DeSantis preparing a presidential race and uh, George Santos uh, actually preparing to defend himself against brand new charges about uh, abusing puppies and uh, the people who are attempting to uh, to rescue them. Uh, we will also be talking uh, about why it is that the NRA has lost over a million members uh, since some of the allegations against that organization have surfaced. And uh, the whole idea of um, rioting as a form of celebration or frustration after a big sporting event and uh, overruling the district of crazy that's the title of a uh, wall street journal editorial about uh, attempts to restructure the district of columbia the capital of this greatest nation on god's green